4: 15, 2021, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton and his conservative cohorts have introduced a bill to defund the 1619 Project Curriculum. I'm sorry, I I thought y'all were against cancel culture and you didn't like defunding things. Oh, but now you want to defund that. Also, Texas Democrats on Capitol Hill today uh, pushing the Democratic caucus to pass HR1. Guess who didn't show up to the lunch? Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin. Hmm. Remember the black woman who told the Board of Education in Florida she opposes critical race theory in education? Well, she's gonna join us to tell us why. And Amazon is launching a $150 million black business accelerator program for third-party sellers on the site. We'll talk with one of their vice presidents about this initiative. Plus, the Small Business Administration is halting relief funds for minority-owned businesses after white business owners sued the administration. Hmm, ain't that something? Minority businesses barely get any support and white folks still sue. Plus, that's right, we'll talk with the former uh, U.S. Senator uh, from Alabama, Doug Jones. Uh, he will join us to talk about unsolved murder cases of black Americans during the civil rights era. Plus, historian Carl Mack is here to discuss why he opposes making Juneteenth a national holiday. Plus, today's crazy-ass white person comes to us from Ross in St. Louis. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Trash-ass is Senators Christian cinema and Joe Manchin. When Texas Democrats come to the U.S. Capitol today to actually implore Senate Democrats to pass House Bill 1, to pass the John Lewis Act, they have a luncheon on Capitol Hill. All Democrat senators show up, except Christian cinema and Joe Manchin. I'm just trying to understand how arrogant they are. And and check this out. Then a couple of the state officials from Texas meet with Senator Joe Manchin. Oh, I'm sorry. They don't meet with him. They meet with his staff. He wouldn't even meet with them. Do y'all see how shameful and despicable this is? Let's go to my panel, Ben Dixon, host, Benjamin Dixon. Show podcast, Teresa Lundy, principal founder of TML Communications, Mustafa Santiago Ali, PhD, former senior advisor for environmental justice, EPA. And so uh, we're also uh, efforting uh, to get one of those state officials uh, on the show uh, to talk about their meetings on Capitol Hill today. Uh, but but, but Ben, ha- how trash, how <laughs> pathetic and shameful is Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin when these Texas Democrats come to Capitol Hill to talk about how they thwarted the passage of a Republican-led voter suppression bill, and these two don't even show up for the luncheon. All 48 other Democrat senators show up, but these two don't.
2: When somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, they have shown us repeatedly exactly who they are. They might have the Democrat D by their name, but they're certainly there on behalf of the Republican Party. When they reach across the aisle, they're not reaching across the aisle to get Republicans to turn in our favor. They're continuously reaching towards us to pull us closer to the Republican Party. And the fact that they would not show up to these meetings this morning means that there's a certain level of condescension, casual dismissal of not only uh, elected officials, but if they did this to elected officials, imagine what they do to the people. And so they feel like they have no responsibility whatsoever to answer on behalf or answer to the people because they don't feel like they have to answer to the other elected officials.
4: I mean, it, it's unbelievable, uh, Teresa, when, when you see just uh, how, how, how shameful these two are. Uh, so y- y- you are too good to attend the luncheon, to listen to these Texas Democrats describe in detail, describe in detail uh, the voter suppression, um, Bills, uh th- that that's just uh unbelievable. And again, um um uh, this is the uh this is I'm gonna pull this up. This this is the uh tweet uh from Ari Berman, uh who is a uh voting rights uh journalist. Mansion and cinema didn't attend Senate Dim lunch where Texas Democrats spoke about need to pass for the People Act to stop GOP voter suppression.
5: Yeah, I totally agree with my colleague. Um, If they do show you who you are, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're in an elected position or if you're just a regular citizen, um, these individuals just show that they just didn't care. Um, And and it's just interesting to see because we are such uh, in a critical space right now where, you know, even if we don't take the listening uh, component um, about the bill, I think we're, you know— even missing the mark when we start looking at some of these elected officials and what we are asking them to do. You know, we, we already know half of them, you know, read legislation and ha- when they co-sponsor it. So to not even take a lunch, just a slap in the face to everybody who voted for them.
4: Uh, this is one of the folks uh, out there who responded, Mustafa. Manchin didn't bother to meet with Texas Democrats regarding the damage that new Texas voting laws would do to Texans. If the for the people act doesn't pass, what is wrong with that man?
6: You know, it's just, it's extremely disrespectful. You know, Senator Manchin has shared with the country that he still had folks he wanted to talk to, he wanted to garner more information so that he could make an informed decision, and and he wants to go through this process. But yet folks who are in the thick of it in Texas spent their time, spent their resources to actually come to Washington, D.C. and have substantive conversations about what's going on in their respective state, and he's shown you exactly how he feels about uh, these individuals and many others who have been advocating uh, for him to actually begin to move forward in a way that is actually more protective of the country. So this is nothing new. You know, he will continue to share with folks, you know that um, you know that he's still trying to you know, get everybody's perspective. So I guess what he's really saying is that these folks' perspective is not that important to his overall analysis.
4: Uh, this here was a, uh, a tweet that uh, Ari Berman put out. 68% of Americans' support for the People Act, including majority of Republicans. It has bipartisan support among the public. Reporters should point that out when GOP senators lie that it isn't popular. Uh, ben, uh, it's amazing what happens when you got facts.
2: Right. But I mean, it shows the extent to which they're willing to ignore the facts. They're willing to distort the truth. They're willing to use half-truths, not only the Republican Party, but cinema and Manchin. Because if you think about it, there's always about this 30 percent of Americans voting electorate that aligns with the bigotry, the absurdity. They align with Trumpism. They align in opposition to H.R. 1. So who is Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin who are you really serving because you're not even serving a majority of republicans you're sur- you're serving that faction that far right wing faction that does not want black people to vote in this country so how do they expect us to see them as allies when they're aligning with our enemies
4: especially when you won't even meet with the state legislators who can give you an understanding of what's happening. Uh, The the, 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 uh, writer, um, uh, 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 Don Winslow, has put out this video uh, uh, targeting Senator Joe Manchin. I'm going to play that in a second. Um, But right now, uh, I want to go to uh, one of the Texas state representatives uh, who, of course, was on Capitol Hill today. Uh, meeting with lawmakers, trying to get them to do the right thing uh, on uh, these uh, on this very issue. Uh, and so uh, joining us now uh, is Representative Jasmine Crockett. Uh, glad to have you here in Roland Martin Unfiltered.
7: Thank you so much.
4: So first of all, uh, how many of you, how many uh, officials from Texas, Texas Democrats, came here to Capitol Hill to meet uh, with uh, Senate Democrats to explain to them what went on in Texas?
7: The overall number is around 15 of us.
4: And so, there was a luncheon today with Senate Dems?
7: Yes, there was.
4: Uh, how did that go? Because according to Ari Berman and others, uh, uh, Senators Christian Cinema, and Joe Manchin uh, failed to attend the luncheon.
7: Yeah, so um, the Senate luncheon, it was the first one that they've had really since uh, the pandemic. Um, so it's something that they consistently do the delegation and there were five members I was not one of those members that actually participated in that luncheon for the purpose of kind of explaining what all happened in Texas instead I actually was set up to meet with someone from Mansions' office myself and Trey Martinez Fisher um, we initially thought we were going to be able to meet with the senator um, then we realized that they were in the luncheon but then we later learned that he was not in the luncheon um, we also were told that uh, the senator was actually meeting to talk specifically about um, both of the bills, H.R. 1 and H.R. 4. Um, so that was really good to hear that he was actually engaging in conversations about this because that's not really been part of the conversation. All we just continue to hear is that he's against, you know, getting rid of the filibuster. And for most of us, it's been like, OK, well, that's going to be a problem if we're going to get this passed. And then most recently, we finally were learning that he actually said that he would vote against HR one. Um, so I just wanted some clarification on the issues. And I also wanted him to understand that it's just that serious. Not only did we walk off the floor, which is the only only the fourth time has ever been done in the history of Texas, but we also decided to spend our own money to come to D.C., Um, we need help and we need cover and we need it now. And so we really wanted him to understand how serious this was to us.
4: Okay, now I'm confused. So y'all met with staff. So so he wasn't at the luncheon. Right. So y'all were at the luncheon because y'all had a meeting directly with him. Then he's not at your meeting, but then you find out he wasn't even at the luncheon. Did they say where was he? Was he in D.C.? Yes,
7: he was... No, no, no. no. He's in DC. He did not pull a Ted Cruz. He was not in Cancun. Uh, He actually is in DC, and he was meeting with four other senators. So there's other senators that were missing from that um, luncheon, and supposedly it was a conversation to kind of try to figure out what his issues are with H.R. 1, trying to figure out how they could get over whatever issues they're having right now because that's kind of the first hurdle even if you got rid of the filibuster right now, he's saying that he wouldn't vote for H.R. 1 anyway. So I think that they were really trying to get some clarity on what his objection, uh, objections were to the bill in general.
3: So
4: how long did you meet with his staff? And who was on the staff? Was his chief of staff? Was it was it... his chief of staff. Okay. How long was yeah, that meeting?
7: Was... Um, that meeting was a little under an hour.
4: Okay. And how did it go?
7: It went well um, because, you know, for me, I was like, is it a hard no as it relates to the filibuster issue? That was kind of the first thing that I wanted to clarify um, because, you know, deciding to use the filibuster there shouldn't be an every other day issue, right? But my issue was that, you know, when we didn't have control, um, that was kind of our excuse. We didn't have control. Now we have control and it seems like we're not doing anything with the control. So I really wanted to get a better understanding of is this a hard no? And it sounds like he is a hard no when it comes to the filibuster. Um, As it relates to H.R. 1, I wanted to understand what was so objectionable about it. And so they actually started to go through um, the things that they do like in that bill. Um, And they're all things that make sense. They're all things that we need. They will provide cover for us in Texas for sure. Um, And so, you know, it doesn't, I don't really understand where his major objections are. There are some objections, but it doesn't seem like He has objections that are so major that would cause him to vote against it, even though that is where I understand him to be at this point until and unless this bill um, gets changed in some way.
4: So um, the overall, what did your colleagues say in terms of the feedback they got from other Senate Democrats regarding this issue?
7: Oh, they're all very supportive. Um, The very first senator that we met one-on-one with was Senator uh, Klobuchar. She was amazing. Um, She was very excited to see us. Um, You know, one of the things that we talked about when we decided to do the walkout was, you know, the the party needs to see a fight. The people need to see a fight, right? We can't continue to get steamrolled in the Texas House or get steamrolled when it comes to DC politics. They need to understand that we will stand up and do what we got to do when the time comes. And so I think, you know, it was it was to light a fire really under the people and hopefully get people on our side and start calling some of these senators, you know, in a very bipartisan way. But ultimately, I think that we've actually lit a fire when it comes to a lot of our electeds up here as well. They're very excited, they're very proud. So I think that we actually ignited something within them as well. And so I'm, I'm very excited for that.
4: Uh, did any of your Texas colleagues meet with Arizona Senator Kristen Cinema?
7: We have not been able to meet with her as of yet. That does not mean that we're not trying, because we will try, but um, we've not we've not had that opportunity.
4: So so y'all have been trying, so y'all schedule a meeting with Senator Joe Manchin's office. He wasn't there, but you met with his staff. Y'all tried yeah. to schedule a meeting with Senator Kristen Cinema. You've yet to be able to.
7: They correct. We've been on a Unable to at this point.
4: How long are y'all going to be here uh, in D.C. before heading back to Texas?
7: Uh, we're all staying different amounts of time, but the majority of us will be here at least until Thursday. So we're here and we're ready. Well, we want them to know that it's, it's real deal and, and we need some help.
4: Well, certainly let us know if between now and Thursday uh, y'all get a chance to meet with Senator Kristen Sinema. Uh, you would think that she would have the decency to meet with you considering the Supreme Court is actually looking at uh, a voting rights case uh, dealing with Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Section 4 was invalidated and Shelby Beholder, Section 2 could be v- invalidated. And that was that's specifically coming from Arizona. So you would think she would right. actually care about that.
7: We're, we're hoping I'm, I'm going to remain hopeful as of now.
4: <laughs> All right, then uh, Representative Jasmine Crockett Michelle, from Texas. We surely appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. All right, then. Uh, it's, it's it's unbelievable to listen to that uh Teresa uh, and just just the sheer arrogance of cinema uh, in mansion
5: it really is you know it, it's almost uh to the point where you know it, the respect factor just isn't there you know when I see you know activists and um, constituents just coming in drones, they make the appointment, and then the appointment is supposed to be with the elected official, then it goes to a chief of staff. I've had um, one of our advocacy events that I I did with the nonprofit organization. Um, It was supposed to be with the leader. It ends up being with the scheduler. So that that was actually unheard of uh and 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 of course i wrote a letter Just like this should never happen to any other organization or person but again it also says you know goes to the fact of respect um and and additional education so i you know i get the advocates point that there were four senators you know instead of them going to the luncheon instead of going to um the other meeting they actually you know were together wanting to have that Um, talk about what can, you know, actually happen to make this work. But again, it's like all these meetings, it just seems like there is no results here. Um, So it's like, I'm not sure what we should do as I am not a lawmaker, but I think there has to be some, uh, another sort of alternative because you have somebody where thousands of people, you know, uh, are asking them to change their mind. And then when we're asking for solidified solutions, we're not getting it, but we're getting a bunch of, oh, I agree with this, and you should. we should go with this, and we should put that in a dialogue. So I, I, I'm i just waiting for the solution here.
4: The, the, the thing here is very simple, uh, Mustafa. There are no alternatives. I mean, this is what happens when, I mean, bottom line is this here it's 50 50. Uh, one senator wields this much power. Uh, if uh, cinema and matching go, nope, I'm not going to do it, guess what? you have nowhere to go. You can't pass the bill. And then, of course, you can't pass the bill unless you break the filibuster. The two of them keep talking bipartisan, bipartisan. And I keep saying, show me the 10, show me the 10 on the other side who are going to go along with this. And they can't.
6: Well, you know, my grandmother says, when you know better, do better. I can only really speak about Senator Manchin uh, since I you know, was raised in Appalachia, and of course, over in Michigan a little bit. So I decided to get on the phone, and I decided to call folks back home in West Virginia, um, across the state, both Democrats and Republicans who I knew. Now, these are what you might still label as somewhat moderate Republicans. Yeah, some still exist. So I called folks in Parkersburg, and Wheeling, and Charleston, and in Institute, and in Clarksburg, and Fairmont, and I asked them. I said, "Should Senator Manchin?" Actually, support the bills that uh, folks have put forward that's actually going to make things better for our country, make us stronger. And it was like 85% of the folks said yes. So well, we got to make sure that folks inside the states are actually pushing these folks and letting them know that if they don't get their act together, then they may not be holding these offices in the future. Now, I'm not threatening anyone. What I am sharing is what everyday hardworking folks in the state of West Virginia are saying, what their expectations are. And their expectations also line up with the polling that folks have been sharing across the country and it's probably not that different in arizona but i like to ground truth stuff and i like to make sure that i know what i'm talking about because i actually talk to real people about real issues and this is what many folks in west virginia are saying
4: uh, ben um, at the end of the day it's pressure it's pressure it's pressure um, you really have no choice. You, you use every single thing at your disposal, uh, and I think you unleash it against these two, and there's no let-up. And, and, and I need people, I, I gotta remind people, and I think it's a little hard for a lot of people today to understand how long the civil rights bill was filibustered and, uh, and fought by the Southern, by the Southern Dixiecrats uh, in the 60s. Kennedy proposed it when he came in after he won in 61. He gets killed November 22nd, 63. It doesn't get passed until the, it was broken up by LBJ. He said, I can't get all at one time. So it's 64. That was three years later. Then, of course, 65, the Voting Rights Act. Then, of course, 68, the Fair Housing Act. So that was an, an eight-year effort just with killing the LBJ. I'm not saying that, oh, my goodness, we should be waiting eight years. But what I am saying is, to people who want to see it done, we have to be in this for the long haul. It's not going to always happen in two or three months.
2: Absolutely. It, it won't happen in that short of a time frame, especially not with our intransigent Congress in general, our Senate specifically. Um, but I do want to tap into something, one of the things that you were saying, Roland. We can't let up on these politicians, Especially cinema and mansion. And I think, in one way, that we let up on them is by having these meetings with them at this juncture because they've shown a level of disrespect. They've shown a level of disrespect in terms of these politicians, these elected officials' time. They've shown a level of disrespect in terms of their just their unwillingness to even really consider this. Joe Manchin's already said he's coming out against H.R. 1. And I don't care how many times they meet with us and seem like they're concerned. At the end of the day, they're gaslighting us. And we need to call them on it. We need to say it in the media. We need to say it on the news. We need to say it on the radio that we have two Democratic senators that are gaslighting us and do not care about the black vote enough to even help protect it.
4: Uh, Absolutely. As I said a little bit earlier, uh, Don Winslow uh, dropped this video here, uh, specifically targeting Joe Manchin when it comes to voting rights. Watch this.
0: 1965, Selma, Alabama, Edmund Pettus Bridge. Freedom marchers on one side, racist state troopers who have been ordered by Governor George Wallace to stop them on the other.
8: I say segregation now.
3: Segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever.
0: Bloody Sunday. June 2021, the state troopers are gone, replaced by this man, Senator Joe Manchin. This man is single-handedly blocking the most important voting legislation in the history of this country.
6: Why Manchin and Cinema care more about the will of the Republican Party than about the will of the American people?
0: If it fails, voter suppression will be the law in more than 40 states.
3: We asked
0: Joe Manchin to reconsider his position.
3: Did they change your mind?
0: Now, why would Joe Manchin, a supposed Democrat, be on the wrong side of the bridge? Why would he stand with racists? Why would he vote to suppress black voters? because Joe Manchin can count. This is the racial composition of the population of West Virginia. 93.9% white, 3.4% black. Joe Manchin is never going to support the rights of black voters in a state where black voters represent 3.4% of the population. More than 50 years after John Lewis and so many other black Americans were beaten in the streets of Selma, I think we know which side of the bridge Joe Manchin would have been on.
4: Ben, you look impressed.
2: That's what I'm talking about, right there. Every day, all day long, radio, television, don't let this man get away with being the guy who can smile and glad hand and shake hands and, and kiss your baby on the cheek. And all the while, he is absolutely on the side of the Republican Party. He's on the wrong side of history. We can't afford to wait for history to write this man's uh, epithet. We need to do it now. And I think that's a, uh, that clip by Don Wislow is amazing. Um, Theresa.
5: Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see the statistics. I mean, you know, it, it really looks like Joe Manchin is playing right into the hand of his constituent basis. Now, we're not—I'm not saying that all, you know, his 93% of Caucasian constituents are in favor or not in favor of this. But what I am saying that it does look like Joe Manchin was elected as a Democrat. But we all know he had moderate to conservative. Um, uh, thoughts as it relates to his position on a lot of things. And he's making his position very clear to his constituent basis.
4: Mustafa.
6: Well, there's a whole lot of lower wealth white folks that's in West Virginia as well. And these actions mm-hmm. that Senator Manchin has refused to move forward on will impact them as well. Um, of course, it always impacts us first and worse, but some of them are also going to find it much more difficult to be able to to move forward, so Senator Manchin should remember that many of the folks throughout the state want him to do the right thing, and he just has not been able to do it so far. And so I hope he has one of those uh, moments where he finally realizes who he's supposed to represent, um, and and we'll see how it plays out.
4: All right, folks, let's talk about the white nationalists
6: in uh, the United States
4: Senate, Republican Senator uh, Tom Cotton of Arkansas. Well, guess what, he's doing what he usually does. With the help of his Republican cohorts, including Senators Tom Tillis of North Carolina, the clueless idiot Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Cotton has introduced a bill to defund the 1619 Project curriculum. Oh, look at that. Four white men. Four white Southern men. Hmm. The Saving American History Act would prohibit federal funds to teach the 1619 Project by K-12 schools or school districts. Schools that teach the 1619 Project would also be ineligible for federal professional development grants. Cotton also had the audacity to say racism in the U.S. military did not exist until the Biden administration entered the White House. (laughs) Y'all want to see some stupidity?
3: Mr. Secretary, we're hearing reports of plummeting morale, growing mistrust between the races and sexes where none existed just six months ago and unexpected retirements and separations based on these trainings alone. And again, these are not my words, these are the words of your own troops. So I want to ask a few simple but vital questions. Mr. Secretary, do you believe that our military is a fundamentally racist organization? Yes or no, please.
1: Well, I won't give you a yes or no answer on that, Senator, because uh, it deserves more than a yes or no. Uh, the military, like any organization, will have its
3: challenges, but I do not believe it is a fundamentally racist organization. Thank you. We, I, I'm sorry will... to cut you. I'm sorry to cut you off, but our time is limited. I think it is a pretty simple question. I'm glad that you agree it is not fundamentally racist. Do you believe that any member of the military should be treated differently based on their skin color and sex? Again,
4: yes. Well, actually, of course, uh, later uh, Lloyd uh, Austin, the Pentagon the Secretary, actually expanded on his comment, but also seems Senator Cotton also forgot about um, what was stated in even the military times where black and other troops talked about the racism they've actually uh, felt in the armed services. And of course, the stories talking about the white supremacists who are also in the military. Mm, That's exactly what uh, we see going on. Now, of course, uh, you have all this conversation dealing with critical race theory. 1619 Project, folks, is not critical race theory. And one of the folks uh, who has spoken out, uh, we talked about this last Friday, was a black woman from Florida talking to the State Board of Education about critical race theory, not teaching the truth. Keisha King is political consultant and co-chair of Moms for Liberty, uh, and she joins us right now. Keisha, glad to have you in Roland Martin Unfiltered. Um, first and foremost, what exactly is critical race theory, and is it being, how, where was it being taught in Florida schools?
1: So critical race theory is the idea that America, uh, the foundation of America is, racism is ingrained into the foundation and it cannot be removed. And so the outworkings of that today and in classrooms is that, to, to, this is a very simple way to say it, but white, heterosexual men, uh, able-bodied are deemed oppressed, the oppressors and everyone else is deemed oppressed. And you can't get away from that. It is what it is because of the idea that racism is ingrained into the fabric of America. That it can't, you can't repent from it. You can't move forward from it, and it's there to stay.
4: Actually, what, actually, I, actually, what you just said is not true. So this is what the folks at Ed Week have laid out. Critical race theory is an academic concept that is more than forty years old. The core idea is that racism is a social construct. Is that true or false? Is racism a social construct?
1: I do believe that, yes, racism is
8: a social construct. Okay,
4: all right. And it says that it is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policies. Do you believe that uh, racism is embedded in legal systems and policies in the United States? I do not. Do you believe that racism is embedded in uh, housing policies in the United States?
1: Uh, no, because people have to, people run these systems, and so we would have to say that racism is embedded into people if we are going to say it's embedded into these systems. Well, the it's systems so, if, so, if, so, if abstract. Rate... they are actually run by human beings.
4: But if, but if the individuals are actually running the system uh, and then it's being implemented, then it's still in the system. So for instance, when you talk about housing, in your state of Florida, there, there have been stories where African-Americans, there was one woman uh, who was married to a white gentleman, uh, where the, an appraiser came out of their home and gave them a far less value on their home. Uh, when, then when they removed all of uh, everything in their ho- house that identified as black, then a second appraiser came out, there was a higher valuation on their home. Is that racism?
1: Um, I'm not sure, but I mean, I certainly know that racism exists. But hold on, you, mean, hold not on. You, you, you're that. not
4: sure. You're not sure. That, you're not sure that if an appraiser comes out, and uh, and gives a lower home appraisal, uh, and after meeting the black woman, the black wife, but then when they brought a second appraiser out the black wife was nowhere to be found, they removed all pictures of her in the home, Uh, they removed anything black art or whatever, then all of a sudden there was a higher appraisal value. Same house, exact same house, but all of a sudden it's got a higher appraisal value. Is that not racism in housing?
1: For me, I would have to have more information. That doesn't necessarily mean that it could be racism. Well, what do you
4: think it is? What what, what do you think it is?
1: I don't know, but it, I, I wasn't there. I, I would have. For me, I okay. would have more.
4: Okay. So, 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 let me ask you this question: Do you do you believe that? Do you believe that systematic redlining of communities uh, where Black people live is that racism?
1: Redlining.
4: Yes. Yes, that was
1: racism. It, it
4: isn't it, but isn't that systematic? Because that was a system that was actually imposed by banks. It was imposed by uh, the federal government. It was actually a part of federal policy. Is that not racism?
1: That was the law at a point in time. However, today in 2021, where we have many more diverse uh, people that run these corporations, we have much more of a diverse. My bottom line is America has progressed. Um, we are not the same country that we were. Of course not. Ago, but we are still. But, but, stu- ago. but, but that, so that. So that doesn't mean that when we see disparities, it automatically is an implication of racism. So it's let me ask you this nasty, question. So let me ask you this question. It so it's not always that the case.
4: Okay. So um, if you're if you're seeing disparities, if you're seeing uh, disparities in terms of in this country, if you're seeing disparities in terms of um, um, African Americans, whether in executive suites, uh, if you're seeing that. Um if you're seeing this the same thing in other areas, what what would you attest to? What if, if you all of a sudden you look at Silicon Valley, if you see uh in companies out companies in, on the West Coast and you see one point five percent or even fewer uh black folks working at those companies, what do you say is the problem?
1: Um, I would say that we should encourage our Community to get more involved with STEM, uh, math, do, do, But but, I mean, but you but this is but but why but, but, we but don't need to be teaching that you know we're permanently in a state of oppression. But Keisha do you need but, to be teaching math? But and Kisha, do, but, but do our
4: you but, but do you even know that sixty percent or more of the jobs in Silicon Valley have nothing to do with STEM?
1: Uh, regardless, I mean they're not. It, no, no no no. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're all white either, because a lot of these people are from India. A lot of them are Asian, so they're not. It's not that they're just white people running these things. I mean, there are other.
4: So
5: so that's not problematic.
1: That have dominance in in those industries as well. So I just believe that we should be afforded those same opportunities to to progress into those industries. But
4: right there, right there, you said we should be afforded those opportunities. There have been African Americans who have worked at companies like Google uh, and Facebook who have said, who are there on the recruitment side, who have said that those companies refuse to uh, hire and recruit from HBCUs, refru- refuse to have programs. And so they, black folks who worked in those companies, who were advocates, who said that what you just described, we should have an opportunity, what they say is opportunity was not given. They wouldn't even, and in fact, what they would even do is they would even have a sliding scale, Will go, oh, because they didn't come from Stanford or Harvard, yeah, that's not going to work. So when you say the opportunity, but isn't that also racist, racist Racist. when you don't even want to recruit from HBCUs, when you look at an HBCU education as less than, when you're not providing those level of opportunities, when your remark, well, they don't fit into our culture. What do you ascribe that then?
1: I I mean, these are individual circumstances. I'm not going to blanket the entire black community as being less than because I'm sorry I I, no, I, I didn't say, so say less than but that but you that's are them telling me that they they didn't because I know plenty of success I'm looking at you you're a very successful black man well guess what plenty of very successful but, 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 black men but hold hold I'm not up. saying that that is without struggle I'm not saying that that is without competition no no I'm no no not no, no. Saying that that is without any of those things but, but, what but, I you, I left but
4: you left out racism just, but you left out racism.
1: I don't believe that racism is our primary problem in America today. No, 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 but that's, not, that's not what I said. That's, that's, not what I said.
4: that's not what I said. That's not what I said. What I'm saying is, but you did leave out racism. See, because what you don't know is, what you don't know is that when I worked at, when I was an intern at the TV station in Bryan College Station, Texas, when a weekend sports anchor job came open at KBTX, The sports director, the assistant sports director, the 5 p.m. producer, the 6 p.m. producer, the 10 p.m. producer, they were like, yo, Roland's the best one for the job. The white male news director made it clear he was not going to hire a black male. His dear friend, investigative reporter Alice Brown, took me on a walk and said he's not going to hire you now. Did that somehow stop me? No, but here's what I will say. Did that actually have an impact? What what, 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 first of all, it impacted me economically because I did not get that particular job while I was in college. But here's the whole point. Why should racism prevent me from being able to get a job? Yeah, the guy's name was Jeff Braun. I still call his name out. And it was undeniable. I'm talking about, like, it wasn't even close in terms of who was best. And so that was an example that I personally experienced in terms of racism in my career as a student at Texas A&M. And what I'm saying to you is that exists. I have been in media since I was 13 years old. Racism exists in media. I have seen editors choose not to hire folks based upon race. So to act like it doesn't exist when you look at the numbers, it's undeniable in media when white men dominate the C-suite and very few of us are able to get through the ladder it's real but to you say Mr. Martin, those are individuals Mr. Martin,
1: one of the very first things i said was that racism exists so you're put, i never said that racism does not exist no but because you said you said not insisting as long as we're on this side of heaven there will always be racism there will always be murder there will always be horrible awful things And what I am saying is that we are the most successful black people, Americans, black Americans are the most successful black people in the entire world. And so what I am saying is that it is insulting for us to be in the most successful country in the world, the most progressive people in the world, for people to tell us that we are in a perpetual state of oppression is an insult. I am not telling my child that they are limited by their skin color, I will never tell my children or myself. Is that what that critical race theory does? Is a burden to me. Is that I, what critical
4: race so, theory does? Because again, you sp- you spoke at the Florida State Board of Education.
1: Critical race and- theory is the idea that racism is ingrained into the nation and all the institutions, and there is in all the organizations, and there is no way to remove it. And how it's outworking in today and in the classrooms is that white people are deemed the oppressor, which means that they just have this superior, superiority... I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, where, where is that? So, uh,
3: no, no, no where, no where edit, in Florida... And
1: we're just automatically oppressed. Where in no Flor?
4: Where in Florida is critical race theory being taught? Where?
1: In my daughter's school, which I heard her teacher teaching, they don't have a critical race theory book. If you that's you, you, what you're you so hold on, critical race theory. No, hold on book. one second. One second. One <laughs> second. Okay. <they're not> saying, <laughs> no,
4: one second. One second. You said you heard your daughter's teacher teach critical race theory. Critical race theory is not being taught. On the critical race theory is being taught on the college level. So, are you? So, what are you associating as critical race theory? Because, for instance, there are a lot of people, like you know, Senator Tom Cotton and others, they think the 1619 project is critical race theory. It's not. Do you believe the 1619 project is critical race theory?
1: If you are teaching that racism is ingrained into the system of America. That is the basis of critical race theory. No, it's not. No, you're Delgado, wrong. If you read Derrick Bell, if you read Kimberlé Crenshaw with the intersectionality, if you study what they write, that is what they are teaching. Hold this on, is on, on, hello, on. Idea from critical theory, from legal theory. It is a, this is not new. This started Yes, in it's German. it's a it's and a legal theory. With it's yes, it is a theory. We teach evolution theory. Theories are taught in school. Theory no, 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 no! But, 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 but this particular
4: legal theory is not being taught in the
1: curriculum in Florida. Where, Mr. Martin, I heard a recording from my daughter's classroom, where her teacher was teaching the theories of critical race theory. I heard this from myself. I, when her first week in school, she was asked what pronoun she wants to be identified as. Nobody, she never...
2: That's not critical that race concept. theory.
1: Hold on one second. That is what made... I never said that that was critical race theory. But the idea that that was being presented to her is what made my uh, alarm go off. And so I started to tell, tell her about some different things because I've been studying this uh, for over a year now. I'm not new. I, I, this is not a new concept to me. And because I understood how it starts to come into conversations and things like that, I knew what to look out for. And she, on her own, recorded this conversation because I've been teaching my children of what to look out for. And so, yes, it is not an official curriculum, but it is being weaved into official curriculum, which is exactly what I heard her language arts teacher teach on that day. And in Duval County, in Jacksonville, we had a segregated assembly that was put on by a diversity, equity, and inclusion per, uh, consultant where she was going to segregate the black children from the white children. Why? I am sorry. Hold that on, wait, wait wait, 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 hold up. I don't care why. Hold on, no, no, wait, 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 wait,
4: wait, 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 wait. Why? No, I'm asking. No, I'm oh, asking. No, one, one second. One second. One second. Are you, are one second. Keisha, one second. You said a diversity consultant was doing this. I'm asking the question why what was what 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 was she trying to
1: teach what's the why when someone is segregating people by what about the biracial children where do they go I'm asking. No, 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 no. You're race. not answering my question. You're not answering my, question. You're not I answering my question. You're
4: not why? answering my question. Why? What? 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 What was the exercise? What was the exercise?
1: They never said why she did it. They said this is what's being done. No, 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 no. no. Did, there you there no, 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 no. did you ask why? Reason. There is no reason. No, no. Did you ask why? There is no reason to segregate people by race. So, so, so wait, hold, what, hold, hold, one, one second. Why have, have they, they, have they, they ever? Not even, we are not even. I'm 20 percent European. You probably have uh, white in, the, in your family. I, well, there well, are well many okay. Well first, have,
4: well, first uh, of all, first of all, first of all, point. white folks, white folks in slavery slept with a whole bunch of slaves, so we all know how that goes. But I'm still trying to get back to because again, you're not answering the question because I still would like to know. Okay, when they did this assembly what was the basis what was it did you ask
1: there was no explanation emails went no 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 did you ask explanation when parents black white and, and and others heard about the segregation of their children by color that was a problem, regardless of the reason. Did there you ask? A... Now, That's can you a... answer my okay. question? So what?
4: Did you ask?
1: You me a good reason for to kids by
4: Okay, color? Keisha, if that was an assembly and they separated yeah. boys and girls, would you be objecting? It de- no. It depends on... Hold on wait, 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 situation. wait, wait, wait. Hold up, hold up. So, so you object, you're objecting, and you didn't ask why. You're objecting if there was an assembly separated by race. But you have no questions if it was gender.
1: Why? Because there are distinct differences between girls and boys. Well, wait a minute, hold up, hold up, wait a minute. Hold up, are there distinct differences? differences? And, a, and a white boy. What is the distinction between a black girl and a white girl? What is the distinction between a biracial girl I'm still, and am still trying. Girl? I'm, I'm still trying to what understand, I'm still is trying to, have you ever heard, have is is you ever heard so of the- There are distinct differences. We, our, our brains are even made up differently. Unless you think you agree with some of these- So, I, I, so I, it's, it's I, interesting are intrinsically different or lower are somehow different than other people, I cannot understand how you could think that there would be any good reason to segregate people by race. I, I find it interesting that you would not... I, I find it interesting... Why we people by race?
4: I find it interesting that you would object... I find it interesting that you would say, oh, no, I, I wouldn't object to an assembly that was girls and boys, but you objected one based upon race, and you still have you still haven't answered my question. Why? What was the purpose of this of them separating? What was it?
1: I don't know the reason. Did I don't you, have to know the no, reason. No, no. D- did you ask? There is no reason. Did you to ask? So wait a minute. Race. Okay. See now I'm
4: confused because you wouldn't ask why a separate assembly for boys and girls, but now you. What, what you said, I, I wouldn't have to ask if it was about race. That makes I mean, no sense.
1: I think it's very obvious, and boys and girls are different. And there are legitimate things that boys experience at certain ages and legitimate things that girls experience at certain ages. So maybe, yes, there would be a, a reason to, biological reasons why you would want to, you know, partner, you know, segregate the children by gender. I That makes sense. But to segregate people by race, what is the difference other than more or less melanin? There is no, there's no intellectual difference. There is no uh, – what is the difference between black children, white children, Asian children, uh, Hispanic children, and, and all different types of people? What's the difference that, that skin color has to do with your ability to learn, with your ability to reason, with your ability to – uh, do anything in society by what is would be a good reason to separate people by the skin, by the color of their skin. Well, this is if, what we if, did well, if back you... in the 17, 1800s. I don't think we want to go back there. I certainly don't. And I well, maybe, would well, well, not well, 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 try to tell my kids but, but that maybe, any but... person is better than them based on skin color. And I can't believe that you would even think that that is something acceptable.
4: Well, first of all, if, if, because see, first of all, I gotta, I use my brain. And what I do is, is my, my first response is in, oh my God, this is no, I would then go, the first I would say is, why? What's the basis behind it? Now, according to, now, are you speaking, are you speaking about, uh, what, uh, uh these, uh, what was taking place at Douglas Anderson? Is that the school?
1: Correct, and Douglas okay. Anderson.
4: So, uh, and so this took place at their school of arts. And so, what the school stated is that that there were uh, there were cultural issues that have arisen at the particular school. And what they the email states that one meeting will be for students of color, and the other will be for white students. It also reads about working together. We can all create uh, this, and so we can all create uh, the best uh, DA. And so, what they what they what they laid out in here was that this is quote over the last year. There's uh, there's been tons of attention that has been drawn to the racial divide and tension at Douglas Anderson. And there were efforts made to try and pull things together, men, wounds and improve relationships. But when I saw the memo, I couldn't believe it was like we took a step back. This is from Latoya Gunn. Now, her daughter has said uh, that she's heard other students, uh, white students uh, use the N word. And so if they were trying to sit here and deal. So are there racial tensions at the school? Have you talked to other black parents and white parents?
1: Uh, yeah, I talked to many black parents. Uh, my daughter went to the, the junior high uh, that would be before she goes to Are Dr. there Anderson, Are there racial, t- are, are there racial tensions there? I've never heard of any racial tensions before this particular incident. And even still, even if there were No, 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 hold on, I'm asking. Why would you segregate the children by race? Well, that, because... That well, no, no, no actually, 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 it actually, waste-based actually, actually, actually,
4: actually, actually, it does, Keisha. So, Keisha, because let me let me sort of just let me well, sort of,
1: no, 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 a lot, no. A lot,
4: a lot, allow me, as as somebody who, um, who has dealt with some of these similar issues, it's very similar, uh, when uh, in the workplace, uh, where uh, in a, an environment uh, where a certain group, women, Latinos, African Americans, others. Who might feel as if there are fundamental problems going on you may have a group of black employees that meet with leadership who meet with the boss that actually happens we did that when i was at cnn uh where where, where these things happen in fact fox news fox news in june of last year a group of black employees actually held a came together and held a meeting with the executive leadership of fox news to complain about racism and other issues at Fox News, that was a that was a discrimination suit it was actually filed by black employees at Fox News. So what you're actually describing. Those meetings actually do happen because what it does is it allows for leadership to actually hear from an aggrieved group to understand what is going on. So what you're saying is you didn't hear of any racism, but according to the stories that are done, other black parents have talked about racial tension at this particular school. So, if that's the case, do you believe that if there's racial tension in a place, that a group of black students should be able to gather to express their feelings directly to the leadership of the school? Should that happen?
1: If the individual is affected, black, white, other, whatever no, that's you that's are, what I asked if you. you want, question. The question. If you if want I... to take No, 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 no. I asked you a specific question. No, no, no. If you want to take. That grievance to the leadership of an uh, organization, a school, wherever it may be, by all means, go ahead. So, but to take the entire organization and say, even if you had nothing to do with it, even if you're not experiencing the same thing and just say, we're going to separate the black folks over here so from the black folks over there, how is that... Well, a- well actually,
4: actually, first of all...
1: But, um, Tension.
4: Well, first of all, acor- I re- I, well, because I uh, first of all, according to according to the school memo, it was white students, and people of color, so people of color includes more than black people. But, he, but I'm gonna go back to ask you the other question: If there was an issue where women, where girls at this school, had a fundamental issue, would you have a problem if the girls met separately from the boys? I
1: would say it again: If those girls, the specific girls who had a problem. I don't think you should round up every girl just because a some girls but, but had a problem. But that's you totally different what you said some earlier. Some girls do, are not experiencing. That's exactly what I said. You should take the individuals that it was affecting and let them go to leadership. Take the individual girls, boys, whoever. Oh. That, them go to leadership. Why are we rounding up everybody as if we all think the same and we don't have any type of autonomy or self... Well, uh, or, you know, but, but hold on. But, but we, earlier, we but, but earlier you need.
4: said you have no problem with a separate girls' assembly, separate boys' assembly. You you said out your own mouth,
1: oh, there are differences. Totally, Mr. Martin, You these are two totally different questions that no, you're no, no, you No, 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 you literally totally say it. Said, you but literally said, you objected. Time, it did I think that girls and boys should be segregated at any point in time? And I said, okay, I can see where girls and boys could be separated. If you're talking, you know, you may want to talk about getting your cycle. Boys don't experience that. Or, you know, boys going through different things that they go through biologically. I can understand a grouping of. So, so you That's can. It so, happens to every girl. So you can under, and, you can understand that. But you
4: can't so, understand a group of white students, a group of people, uh, people of color, and talking, talking about the issues they may be facing. And here's the deal: if you're black or Latino and you go to the meetings, people of color, you can stand up, and actually say, "Hey, I've had no issues, no problems here at the school. It's been great and wonderful." What's the problem?
1: I'm just saying that why do you have to drag everybody in if it's a if it's a specific issue to those people who experience that issue why can't we let them sort it out why are we trying to make this like that every person who is identifies within that group or maybe associated within that group that they automatically have the same issue.
4: Because prob because probably if you've had such a widespread issue probably. you cast a wide but, net but and wait wait but then again but then again you still had no problem with the group meeting. I'm still gonna go back to this here because this is still a very interesting. Um, you, 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 you you, talk about critical race theory and what we're seeing across this country, we're seeing folks just lump everything in together. They do, Any conversation, so anything dealing with race. And that, to me, is what the folly is. The reality is, in Florida schools, just like in Texas, in Oklahoma, in Arkansas, critical race theory was not being taught. It was not in the curriculum. It was not there. And so, does it... So, since you... since I'm gonna use your example. I'm gonna use your example. Let me just use your example of, Well, if this group has a problem, then take it up with them. So, if you had a problem with one teacher saying something to your child, why why pass a statewide ban on critical race theory when it didn't even exist? Why, if it's only your child or a couple of others, I'm gonna use I'm using your setup. Why why do a mass ban? It is only a handful of examples.
1: Why? This is not being taught to just a few individuals. This it's not being, being taught, taught at all. In how do you know that, Mr. Martin? Critical race know? theory is not in the curriculum in Florida. Like it's I not. said, there is no book that they have. It's not enough. Okay, so particular. how, how many teachers are teaching it in Florida? Two. Okay so for instance, how, how many teachers have...
4: how many teachers in Florida are teaching critical race theory off the books how many I'm not sure Okay what's up you're not sure so you went before the state board of education and supported a statewide ban on something that you could not quantify
1: Yes because any time you try to segregate people by their race and say... That's that one school! One no, 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 exist, Keisha. No Keisha. 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 That no, Keisha. no, Keisha. Keisha. Keisha, that's one school. No, Keisha. Keisha. So, Keisha, wait a minute. You, hold up, hold up. let stay is. right there. Clearly. So because you... Because you talking about it, so, so wait a minute. You're now contradicting yourself. No, I am You are. You just said...
4: You just said, if a group of people have a problem at a school, the administrators should only take it up with those people and not do a full assembly, right? That's what you said, right?
1: What I said was, if there is a specific issue, you were specifically talking about the Douglas Anderson case where there was a specific issue. I was speaking to that as far as critical race theory, which is a separate issue. What I'm but it's not being taught. This is being widely, yes, it and is. I ask I you, how widely? How widely? I know. How widely? I don't know. I hold on! Wait wait, wait! 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 Hold up. Hold up.
4: Hold up. One percent! Hold up. You gave me school. one teacher. You gave me one teacher. So is it five? Per- are five percent of all teachers in Florida
1: doing this? Do you know? Is it 10%? So if I was to say, okay, well, there's only 2% of racist racist people in the United States Congress, are you going to be like, oh, well, just only, we don't have to worry about that because it's only 2%? No, no, like, no, no, uh, no, no, I'm using your example. I don't want racist teachings anywhere in American classrooms.
4: Here's the problem, Any- here's the problem. You contradicted yourself. You supported a statewide ban on something that's not even being yeah. taught, because your child recorded one teacher, you can't even answer. You literally cannot even answer how widespread is it? You said I don't know. So your deal oh, is I don't. This, you are so like, okay with you're okay with
1: some racism no. things as long as it's not widespread. No, here's okay, the no. deal, Keisha. Okay.
4: I'm gonna Got use it. your example since you had a, since you had a problem with one teacher, Keisha should have gone. Oh, she hung up, y'all. See what happens. This is what happens, y'all, when... Did she hang up or did, did, did our system go out? She hung up. See, this is what happened, y'all, when you're busted. Okay, I got another guest coming up, but pull up my panel and tell my next guest to hold on. I'm gonna go to them. This is what happens when you're busted. This is what happens when you're when you contradict your own argument. If Keisha had a problem with a teacher saying something in the classroom, she should have gone to the principal and then the school board. She supported the passage of a bill across the entire state because of two incidents. And then, Teresa, she couldn't answer, how widespread is this? How widespread is it? I don't know she sounds like Republicans saying, yeah, we're gonna pass new vote laws. Uh, We ain't got proof, but what the hell? We're just gonna pass it.
5: Yeah, I mean, Keisha, you know, is obviously... uh, I looked at her social media account while you guys were discussing, because I was just so curious about, um, like, where she... Some of her ideas of how she came across this topic. Um... And part of it is, you know, even in her, you know, mini bio, and it, it goes to a point here. But the mini bio, it says like rising star in the GOP. You know, it's just mom. You know, so and then if you go on the timeline, it says, you know, she was just on uh, a program with Fox News, and and so again, I understand her profile. So, so I understand she is on message. But what I don't understand is the ignorance that we choose to have. I think. Education is a strong component here. Um, I think most of it she was grasping, but then the contradiction of what she was saying also put her backwards in, in her original position because you can't agree with some you know some portions of, you know, well, I, I agree well I disagree with them separating blacks and whites but I agree with them separating girls and boys. Like, that, it just doesn't make sense, because what happened to the kids where, you know, that they they want to choose who they want to be? Or... So, I mean, there's so many issues um, here, and I think that's really just surrounding her statement. But again, it also shows that the GOP okay, is
4: Okay, bring not her on. Okay, all right. So, apparently, on, Ke- apparently Keisha wants to get back on. So, Keisha, come on back. Um, but but, but here's the deal, Ben, I stand by my position. You can't support a statewide ban, every school district, every classroom, because of one teacher and your daughter.
2: Yeah, I would like to ask uh, Sister Keisha if we found more provable instances of racism than she found of provable instances of critical race theory being taught. Would she support the existence of critical race theory? I mean, since it's like almost like an all non proposition with her. Um, Because then my second question would be, uh, when's the last time she actually can say that she personally experienced racism in this country? Um, Because I think she's going vacillating back and forth between racism as an individualism, as an individualist construct, something that an individual is responsible for. And that's usually what conservatives do to make sure that this structural system is never held accountable by saying, oh, that's an individual racist problem. So I do want to kind of know if we found more okay. examples of racism than she found of examples of critical race theory, would she go before the board and support critical race theory? I,
4: I, I, hey, y'all, what's the status of Keisha? All right, all right. So so let me let me do this here, y'all. Okay, we are gonna come back later in the show with part two with Keisha. Okay. So uh, it's my next. Okay, she's picking up now. Okay, because I I, I still I still want I still want to know uh, again. Uh, how... Okay, Keisha, are you there?
9: I don't know what happens. I really
4: Okay, so... I, I'm, so I, I'm still... So, Ben Dixon, you had a question for Keisha. So, Ben, go ahead and ask her the question, and uh, let's see if she answers your question.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a simple question. If we were to show you provable, objective examples of racism, more examples of racism, then you found examples of critical race theory being taught. Would you go before the Board of Education with the same energy and the same fervor and demand that we do something about racism since you put that metric out there in terms of how many times you saw critical race theory being taught?
9: I would stand up against racism anytime I saw it, absolutely. I'm not for racism, and I know that it exists. That's not what I'm saying. So, yes, I would stand up against racism. That's what I'm doing now. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so you see more of a ra- you see more of a problem in the racism of your perceived racism of the 1619 project, critical race theory than in no, of no, no, not 1619 project, problem. not 16,19 project. But the
4: that... conflation of the two. Right., no, but it, so again, it's not I-, the same. I-, I still just want to know, what is the percentage of, again, these examples you're using? How many are we talking about? Five, 20, 100, 2,000? 5,000, 10,000, how ramp... This thing that you're describing that your daughter experienced, how rampant is it in Florida?
9: If it is any at all, I have a problem. Anybody Anybody is trying to tell children that they are in a perpetual state of oppression by a racial group. I don't care what the color is. That
4: is racism. So, Keisha, I, so should like, the state... Like, so, Keisha, if if, if there are five examples... Saying. Keisha, Keisha, if there are five examples in the whole state, instead of the principal or the school board handling that, your answer is banning across the state. Hmm. Even though I don't know... That,
9: that, would, be, that would just, like, be say, That would just, like, say, well, there was only one hanging. So why do we need to um to ban hanging people,
4: hanging black? Okay, people? but see not see now... see now I, see, I'm saying, that makes there, no sense. That literally yeah. makes no sense, okay. because you I'm, again though if I because hold up I'm <laughs> using I'm using your language. Your I'm using your language. You said that if there were a group of students or a group of people on a job who had an issue, that group of people should go to the superiors at that school to deal with it, you said, and not have a wide assembly. And what I'm saying to you is, if there are a group of parents who are objecting to a group of teachers, why not deal with those teachers and that principal as opposed to say to the State Board of Education, oh, we're just going to ban this thing across the state that actually doesn't even exist in the state you do not see how you literally are contradicting yourself
9: okay well if you don't believe that it exists and if you really don't think that it is a problem at this point i'm I'm not sure no 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 no,
4: no, no. see see here's the deal here's the deal i'm gonna use i'm gonna use a legal standard in order for roland to show if i want to do a class action lawsuit i have to show that there are multiple people who have been harmed I have to actually show I got to have evidence. I got to have data to say, oh, this isn't what one case of Roland being harmed. No, here are multiple examples of African Americans who have been denied. What I'm saying to you is you can't even provide that to me. You can't even tell me that 5,000 teachers or 7,000 teachers or 100 teachers. All you have is one teacher recorded with your daughter and you stood up at a State Board of Education meeting and supported a statewide ban based upon one instance of your daughter. And I'm using your example. Why didn't you versus have the state ban it? Why didn't you go to the principal and the school district and say, I have a problem let's deal with it here, as opposed to say, oh, let's do it, because guess what? There are a bunch of schools and teachers who don't do what you do, so now you pass the law that impacts them, and they have nothing, even nothing going wrong. Do you okay, not see well, the contradiction? If they're,
9: if, they're not, if they're not teaching it, that they don't have to worry about but it. You, but so, you
4: already said they're not teaching critical race theory in the district. You said they're teaching it unofficially.
9: they are That's right, and there's many. And how, many? Me, how many? How many? How many teachers are... unofficial?
4: Keisha, Keisha, answer my question. How many teachers... If
9: teachers are teaching... Keisha,
4: answer my question, Keisha. How many teachers...
9: I don't know that answer. Question, Keisha. Teachers- Keisha, answer question, Keisha. Teachers- Keisha, Keisha. I don't know, You're
4: admitting, you're admitting, you're admitting. So, Keisha, you are admitting you do not know how many teachers in Florida are teaching unofficially critical race theory. All you know is one.
9: No, that is my personal experience. Okay, how many then? Many these. Give me a number.
4: Parents. How many? There are
9: many parents.
4: How many? I can't even no, 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 no. I don't want are... many. Give me a number. What's many? 10, 30, 50, there are
9: 100? parents who have seen things in their schools. How many? How many? Hundreds. That, how many? Just in my universe. H- how, have... how many? Story. No, no, I how
4: many? No, no, I didn't I ask for have... countless or many. How many?
9: I don't have a number.
4: So you have a number. How many school children That's... in Florida?
9: You're right. No. You got Keisha. Have...
4: Keisha, how right. many school children in Florida?
9: In, in the Duval County School District. No, no, in the whole state? I'm not sure. Millions.
4: Okay. In... There are nearly right. 3 million students in public schools in Florida. And you supported a statewide ban that's not even impacting you, and you can't give a number, but you said that you object to an assembly being people of color and whites, and you said that if you have a problem, they should meet with only the affected people. Do you not see the contradiction in your own statement?
9: No, I do not, and here is why. Okay. Because you have individual, isolated incidents where there is no what you're the part that you're that you're missing, Mr. Martin, is that even though it's not written in curriculum, this is your same argument that racism is everywhere. It's not written into law, but it's still everywhere, according to you. No, actually, actually,
4: no, actually, you're wrong, because when I look at uh, Georgia voter suppression law, when I look at Texas, and I look at the fact that the Texas voter ID law, five federal judges deemed it discriminatory against minorities and ruling unconstitutional, I would say that's writing it into law, so actually, you're wrong.
9: You're stating that...
4: No, what I'm it, stating is that five federal judges ruled the Texas voter ID law was unconstitutional and discriminated against minorities. So what I'm arguing is that law that was written, yeah, that was discriminatory as it was written. So yes, you're correct.
9: If it ex- if if racism is being taught in schools, even if it is unofficially taught, what is wrong with saying, okay, you know what, this type of teaching is, it, it's not going to be taught at all.
4: Well, 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 that- I, I, well, I would say this here. I would say it would be nonsensical. I would say it would be nonsense. I would say if that was one teacher who was at a school district who was teaching something that was racist, I would say deal with that teacher and not say, oh, we're going to say all teachers across the state. Here's the bottom, Keisha. You don't have the data. You can't even give a number. And you can't. And what I'm saying is it's nonsensical for conservatives in these states passing statewide bans on something that's not even being taught, and you don't even know how significant it is. So, And and here's the whole piece. Critical race theory is not a part of the curriculum. It doesn't exist in Florida schools or Texas or Oklahoma or Arkansas. And for the people who say it is, you simply can't provide the data. So, look, I I, I appreciate it. You you give give your final comment. Go ahead. That
9: said that, you know, that racism, you know, was not really a problem, and they didn't think that slavery should have been abolished either. So I'm guessing that's Jesus what it is.
4: Uh, that that actually, that is, that, that's just totally nonsensical. It makes no sense <laughs> at all. And the bottom line is this here. You can't even provide an actual number. You use words like many and a lot. Those are the words that people use when they don't have the numbers to back them up. So that's why I'm simply saying you might want to be specific. You might want to have folks, uh, bring it in. But you don't have it. You don't. And so what you chose to do is to say, oh, I want to kill a fly, I'm going to fire a bazooka. And again, your own example at Douglas contradicts what you did before the state board of education and so good luck for moms for liberty uh i hope to be spending some time in florida and yeah i'll certainly be uh talking about the issue uh how race does impact us in our society we're going to call out on every level and we're also going to call out those politicians who support these racist voter suppression policies that we see existing especially there in florida as well so we appreciate it thanks a lot
9: thank you
4: all right, folks, uh, gotta go to a break. We'll be back on Roll Martin, filtered Unfiltered in a moment.
5: I believe that people our age have lost the ability to focus the, the discipline on the art of organizing.
10: The challenges, there's so many of them and they're complex and we need to be moving to
1: address them, but I'm able to say, watch out Tiffany, I know this road."
5: That is so freaking dope.
4: conversation there. You'll see folks. there's this belief that somehow you don't have racism in systems, but the reality is this here. Uh, we do know exactly how black businesses have been impacted by economic apartheid in this country. We have seen a significant effort since uh, George Floyd's uh, murder uh, where pe- people have been dealing with the racial inequality that exists and understanding the unique challenges faced by black-owned and other m- minority businesses. Amazon, they're launching a $150 million black business accelerator program for third-party sellers on their site. Almost all third-party sellers on Amazon are small to medium-sized businesses. The third-party sellers represent nearly 60% of product sales on Amazon. and They enjoyed record sales growth in 2020. Now the company wants more black-owned businesses to enjoy that success. Joining us right now is Lorenzo Patton, Amazon's Vice President of Finance Operations and Services. Uh, Lorenzo, uh, glad to have you on the show. Thanks for waiting. Uh, first, uh, first and foremost, what, what what caused this to happen? What What caused Amazon to say, you know what? We got to create this initiative. What spurred it It
3: was the uh, incredible idea of one of our uh, Amazonians, um, Tiffany Johnson. Um, She works with sellers all the time, and she was as she was working through and helping these people achieve a success. She was thinking, "Hey, how how can I use this um, economic engine? How can I use this tool of success um, to be beneficial to Black-owned businesses in the Black community?" Um, So when she took that idea, she brought it up to leadership and. Um, spent some time with the Black Employee Network to kind of help refine it and a few other uh, partners. But ultimately, that's what brought it to the table.
4: Uh, how how will this Accelerator work? And so, is it $150 million? And so, do you got to be a particular size, employees? And so, what is it? It, it? Is it cash grants? What's the program?
3: Okay. So, as you said, it's $150 million for the first four years. But then, that's not the cap. I mean, that's not the intent. I mean, the idea is to grow Uh, process that will um, empower and enrich uh, black owned businesses over time. But the way that manifests is in three basic pillars. So you have uh, the financial assistance, which is in the form of grants, but also things like uh, credits for advertising, images, and the like. Uh, Second, you have business knowledge um, and mentorship. So for a minimum of a year, folks have access to an account manager who will help them from everything from setting up uh, their storefront uh, to what's the best way to position their products and their brand, um to be attractive to customers and then lastly you have marketing and promotion so having access to hundreds of millions of customers is great but if you can't get them to look at your products and your brand it's really hard to generate sales so um, another key part of that
4: so uh i i'm very curious because because one of the things i have a segment called where's our money and we've been talking about uh what how black owned media has been specifically impacted Uh, by a lot of these companies when it comes to advertising. Uh, And we've also been talking about uh, the need for companies across America uh, to really examine their black owned spend. Uh, This obviously is talking about these third party sellers that are on Amazon. Have y'all also been looking at this issue with the business that Amazon does with black owned companies outside of third party sellers, but I'm talking about uh, black owned media, uh, black catering companies, black limousine companies. I mean, really looking at uh, that supplier, some call supplier diversity piece uh, as well, because that's also uh, a significant uh, block that African-Americans are not getting opportunities from major companies.
3: Right, so it's absolutely something we look at as a company, and, and as part of bringing this to the table, we not only leverage the traditional media, we use black-owned uh, media sources as well to help promote this. Um, additionally, uh, black creative firms to help promote um, set this up and give it the right marketing uh, branding in terms of how to bring this forward so and beyond that um, we, we leverage um, black and minority-owned businesses mm-hmm. and a whole host of things and that's including our operations um, as well as other supplying um, for corporate offices and the like
4: so amazon drop, spends about 20 billion dollars a year on marketing do you know specifically how much is spent with black-owned media? What that percentage is, and we've been, of course, we've been looking at many other companies. And the reason I'm, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up because I think it ties directly into your accelerator program. Uh, Because pre COVID, there were 2.6 million black owned businesses in America, but 2.5 million only had one employee doing average revenue of $54,000. And so I'm all about how do we also build capacity? I would assume that the purpose of this accelerator program is to build capacity of these uh, black owned businesses so they're not one employee, they're three and five and 10 and 20, and they're also building 100, 500,000, multiple million dollars in revenue. Uh, So I'm curious. Uh, of, of, of the annual spend uh, of Amazon, do you know how much is spent on Black-owned media?
3: So I don't know what to spend on Black media. And frankly, until this program came about, we weren't tracking uh, Black-owned businesses as they were signing up as sellers. That said, part of this program is to do exactly that. So to know who are the Black-owned businesses and then how do we uh, gear them towards success. Um, I will say that <clears throat> part of the... The way I think about this is Amazon represents a uh, economic engine. And if I were to look back at the sales that were generated between April 1st, 2020 and uh, March 31st, 2021, uh, those businesses sold 3.7 billion, or billion uh, products um, and on an average had revenues of over $200,000. So from my perspective, being able to tie black-owned businesses into an engine that's producing those sort of results mm-hmm. will absolutely be a wealth builder.
4: No, oh, I I agree. I agree, and, and and I'll say this here that which is one of the reasons why I agreed, uh, you know, to have y'all on talking about this because I have a. This is a black business. Normally in this segment, I feature a black-owned business because uh, I, I want to promote those businesses uh, utilizing this show, which is why we did this here. Uh, and so I'm glad to see that y'all are doing that. Uh, you know, whatever help we can provide, but I, but I certainly I certainly what I think is important. I really believe it's important. Um, if, Because we talk about uh, Amazon being an economic engine. Here's the reality, and I'll say this here. If Amazon, and look, we've done this, so Dentsu has made their announcements, uh, General Motors, uh, 20 companies with Group M. If Amazon came out and said, we're going to spend 5%, 10% of our marketing annual marketing budget with black-owned media, and we're going to challenge every other major corporation, I fundamentally believe, Lorenzo, that Amazon could completely overnight change How advertising is being spent and how the impact on black-owned media and so I'm so to me this is something I think is an opportunity for Amazon so just like with this initiative right here uh, I think Amazon should throw the challenge down you should be challenging every other company uh, to do the exact same thing creating uh accelerator programs uh because we know how we've been systematically frozen out of systems uh and this is to me uh, how the game can be changed in what i call this third reconstruction
3: so from my perspective that's exactly i mean your points about being intentional uh the black business accelerator is done exactly to how do we go beyond just having a general offering did a black owned business go and sign up to be a seller one of multiple millions of sellers absolutely it's the intentionality of saying we are going to help these businesses succeed or succeed we're going to position them we're going to give them the resources and to your point that's been one of the, the gating factors is do i have the capital to be able to start my business do i have the know-how to get myself on online and then be successful embarking myself in front of hundreds of millions of customers. So I, I, I agree. I think this is a great program and that intentionality, the more that we can do that and other companies can follow suit, I think we'll have a tremendous impact on black-owned businesses and the black community. Where can folks uh, get more information? Where can they sign up? Uh, so they can go to Amazon, uh, forward slash BBA. Uh, we have a team of people ready to sign up, uh, folks to be in the program. And I think it's gonna be a huge opportunity
4: all right then we're well, certainly looking forward to that uh and and i look forward uh certainly getting back with you uh specifically on on that black-owned media spin i mean obviously being a black-owned media company that's a particular passion of mine uh, I've been doing this since I was 13 years old. My first job was in Black-owned media. Uh, and I'm seeing, I'm, what I'm looking at is where we're going to be in 30 years. And if we don't change this system now, I don't want a Black-owned media entrepreneur 30 years from now fighting the same battle. Uh, and so, uh, so I would love to know. Uh, you know, what Amazon's current black-owned media spend is and then what Amazon wants it to be uh, in in the next five years. And so, like I say, Byron Allen, Todd Brown, Butch Graves, uh, a bunch of us, uh, you know, have been pushing a lot of these companies to change the game because uh, that allows us to be able to grow and us to be able to, you know, when companies are spending advertising dollars with us, then we can hire more staff and we can actually cover more things and actually have a robust news operation. Uh, and so i certainly certainly uh, interested uh, in, in knowing what that is. And so uh, we'll look, look forward to this. And so we encourage our, our uh, users uh, uh, to sign up, uh, but definitely want to be follow-up on that as well. So give out the, that site again.
3: It is Amazon forward slash BBA.
4: All right uh lorenzo thanks a bunch good luck with the program thank you mr martin it was a pleasure being here all right i'm oh, mr martin my daddy i'm rolling so it's all good <laughs> i right, uh, appreciate it thanks a lot <laughs> all right have a good evening all right folks uh thank you so very much all right so uh let's uh let's now go to um uh my next story and that is um my next guest has really been uh involved in trying to uh get a lot of these civil rights cold cases solved uh, finally, uh, this week, uh, President Joe Biden named several people to uh, a uh, board uh, that will be looking into these cases. Uh, when I came across it, Claiborne Carson, a buddy of mine, uh, Stanford University with the King Center there, uh, he is going to be uh, on that particular uh, board as well. Um, and then also, there are, there are others uh, who are going to be honored. I'm looking forward right now. Uh, President Biden uh, he announced, give me one second. Uh, this was the email. Y'all go to my iPad, please. Carlo, uh, excuse me, uh, Margaret Burnham, Claiborne Carson, Gabrielle Dudley, and Henry, uh, Henry Klibanoff, nominees for a member of the Civil Rights Cold Case Review Board. That was created... Uh, by a bill that was passed in the United States Senate. Uh, the uh, author of that, uh, former Alabama uh, Senator uh, Doug Jones, who joins us right now. I'm glad to have Doug back on Roland Martin Unfiltered. He also is a distinguished senior fellow at the Center for American Progress and attorney at the DC law firm of Aaron Fox LLC. Uh, Senator Jones, glad to have you on here. Before we get to that, I, you may have heard that wild conversation I had with that woman from Florida talking about critical race theory and this whole statewide ban. And um, it's, this thing is taking hold, It's really being led by by these Republicans in all of these different states. They're conflating, you know, 1619 project with critical race theory. You got Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton with his nonsense. He wants to defund the 1619 project. Uh, And all of these issues we talk about, uh, what you're dealing with here, and this is just my point of view, I just think you're dealing with white fear. Yeah, you got some black folks like Keisha out there, but you're dealing with white fear. They don't want their kids to learn about the reality of what happened in America. And, and, And in these cases you're talking about, this is American history. This stuff actually happened the black people and others, and these cases have not been solved. And, and it all to me, this this, this idea of let's just remain wholly ignorant, to me, is just nonsense. I just want to get your thoughts on it.
10: No, I, I, I agree. It's, it's interesting, uh, Roland. And thanks for having me, by the way. It's great to see you again. Um, it, as you were talking to some of those folks, I was looking at a, a local media article where a friend of mine uh, at AL.com called the state representative in Alabama, a fellow named Representative Pringle, who has filed the bill looking to ban critical race theory. And he just asked him a simple question. What is it? And he, of course, could not answer, has no clue. What we're seeing is talking points that are now being used politically that are now becoming, trying to become law. And we've seen that time and time again. And it's really unfortunate. Nobody's trying to rewrite history. But we are trying to try to set the record straight about making sure history is taught accurately fairly and fully and that's what i think is getting lost on all of this is that it's really interesting to me that a society uh, especially here in the south who has celebrated the confederacy the lost cause so to speak celebrated generals like robert e lee who actually killed u.s soldiers um, that we're somehow trying to rewrite history as opposed to just simply saying, let's get the facts out there. Let's tell people about the facts and folks will get a better understanding of where we've been, where we're going, and what really we need to do about race in this country.
4: You know, and it, 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 it just, it, 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 is, it is just stunning, just the sheer ignorance and this, oh, my God, just, we, we, we can't have this. These things are being talked about. Because the deal is, they do not want their children to actually learn these things. I was just in Tulsa for six days, the wonderful the anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre. And the fact that it was not added to the curriculum in Oklahoma until 2019... 98 years after it happened when you look at a lot of these things in the civil rights the 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 heinous things that have happened in alabama and mississippi frankly it is new very new that these things are being taught the reality is it's like oh mlk gave a speech uh rosa parks sat down all right let's skip to the 1970s
10: yeah there's no question roland you know when i prosecuted the church bombing cases back in 01 and 02, we did a fair amount of jury work, and we were really stunned at the lack of information that people had about the civil rights movement in Birmingham, Birmingham citizens. And it just, it wasn't just the white citizens. It was the African-Americans that we had on that uh, jury or on the focus groups that came in. The, it was um, stunning to us to listen to the fact that they knew very little about the civil rights history of Birmingham, especially with the younger folks and the youth movements here in Birmingham, that really you know, prompted all the, all the changes across the country. Folks knew very, very little about it.
4: And so um, tell folks about this particular uh, coal case review board. What are they going to do?
10: You know, I am so proud of uh, President Biden for moving this forward. I'm so proud of the Senate and the House who passed this with overwhelming uh, support. It was one of the bills I really pushed. You know, this is an interesting story behind this bill, Roland. Uh, this originated really with a group of high school kids in Hightstown, New Jersey, who called me two years or so before I got to the Senate, saying that they had an idea for a bill based on the Ken- Kennedy Assassination Commission that reviewed all all of the evidence and all of the documentations involving President Kennedy's assassination, and then made so many of them public for historians, the community, uh, you know, academia, the media, whatever. And they asked me, they wanted to do that for civil rights cold cases because they had been thwarted in trying to get some records about a couple of cases they wanted to look at. I endorsed the bill. Soon as I got to the U.S. Senate, they called me back and said, you know, look, remember that bill? We'd like for you to introduce it. So, dang, we got to work. Uh, Ted Cruz actually joined us to do this. And what this bill does is it creates a commission really under kind of the auspices of the National Archives. The goal of the commission is to gather all of the documents within the federal government's uh, possession, Department of Justice, Department of Education, wherever these records might be of these civil rights cases that involved heinous crimes. Uh, They didn't have to be a death. It could be an assault. It could be a number of things up until like in the early 70s. Get those records, bring them into one place. Let this commission who's presidentially appointed review those records and then open them up. You know, they're not really classified, but because they're all criminal cases. But just then make them uh, public, make them available to you guys in the media so that you can look and see what happened and why. and, And in many cases, how they weren't investigated properly. Give some sense of the families, the communities, some sense of closure, some sense of healing. I, I learned that knowledge is power, and there is so much that can be gained from understanding what happened in those uh, cold cases, the civil rights cold cases. Why? What happened and why? There's so much knowledge that we can gain to maybe help educate people in the future.
4: But, 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 but will this board, could this also lead to prosecutions? Could it lead, what, what can it actually lead to? Now,
10: well, it, it, it really can't lead to prosecute. This is not a prosecuting authority. Um, c- could they come to something to where they find and refer it back to the Justice Department or a state uh, investigation? Yes. But the odds are in these cases, Roland, I've seen it time and time again, the potential defendants are all gone and they're they're dying off every day. So the odds of this resulting in any prosecution are probably slim and none. But the fact is, the knowledge, the uh, being able to get the facts out. We're just now learning, as you said, what happened in the Tulsa uh, race massacre. We need to know the information about what happened with so many of these cases where f- victims went missing for so long and just never got investigated. What happened? What uh, and why? Who the potential perpetrators were? And I'll tell you, Roland. One of the things that I found that this is not imp- just important for the families of the victims. In many, many cases, it's important for the families of those who may have perpetrated these crimes. There's a sense of reconciliation that this kind of bill and these kind of records can lead to. That's what I'm hoping to get out of this.
0: Uh,
4: well, it is uh, certainly that uh, something uh, is needed. Uh, I do want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, you're no longer in the United States Senate, but uh, just a few moments ago, a Senate... Uh, passed the bill after Senator Ron Johnson sat the hill down finally uh, to make Juneteenth a federal holiday.
10: Absolutely. I'm really proud of that, uh, of the Senate for passing that. I didn't see the final vote. Uh, But, you know, it's just another element of progress. Uh, That bill will pass likely in in the House. Uh, I think it's long since past due. And, um, you know, so You know, you got to take the nuggets of progress where you can find them because there's so many things happening right now in the country that you just shake your head and you wonder where the hell we're going. Uh, But this shows that there can be some bipartisan support. It can be some things that we can get past the politics of race. And let's look at this in in a way that moves the country forward.
4: Uh, It was uh, unanimous, and this was the statement that Senator Ron Johnson uh, released. Although I strongly support celebrating emancipation, I object to the cost and lack of debate. While it still seems strange that having taxpayers provide federal employees paid time off is now required to celebrate the end of slavery, it is clear that there is no appetite in Congress to further discuss the matter. What that means is he looked like a fool. He lost. And and Republicans probably said, man, get out the way and get this bill because we look stupid blocking it.
10: You know, Roland, I wish he would write that letter to the Alabama legislature who still gives people time off for Confederate Memorial Day and Robert E. Lee's birthday. Our state funds are used to pay holidays for that. So let's let's look at across the board. Maybe he will. Maybe he will say, look at uh, all of those issues like that and send something to the Alabama legislature. I doubt it seriously.
4: <laughs> yeah, this is the same guy who says that it was a party atmosphere on January sixth. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't think uh, that's going to happen. Uh, and it is unfortunate that you're no longer in the United States Senate. I mentioned that whole bill to defund uh, the 1619 project, and unfortunately, uh, one of the people. People who was sponsoring that with Senator uh, uh, Tom Cotton of Arkansas? Is Tommy Tuberville, who
10: Yeah, of course, of course.
4: Who has so no idea, idea what the hell the look, Voting Rights Act is?
10: Yeah, he doesn't know what the Voting Rights Act. He thinks the three branches of government are the House, the Senate, and the Presidency. So, I mean, <laughs> what can you say?
4: Oh my goodness, Senator Doug Jones is always glad to have you on the show. Uh, thanks a bunch, and uh, great job uh, getting this bill passed. So, to look at these uh, cold cases. All right, Roland, always good to see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, go back to my panel here. Uh, First of all, panel, uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Juneteenth here, and and, um, uh, let's roll the video. This is the moment when it passed the United States Senate.
8: And, Mr. President, I ask unanimous consent that the Judiciary Committee be discharged from further consideration of S-475, and the Senate proceed to its immediate consideration. The clerk will report.
3: S-475,
1: a bill to amend Title V United States Code to designate Juneteenth National Independence Day as a legal public holiday.
0: Without uh, objection, the committee is discharged. The, the Senate will now proceed to the measure.
8: I ask unanimous consent the bill be considered and read a third time and passed, and the motion to reconsider be considered made and laid upon the table. Without objection. Mr. President, I ask consent the Senate proceed to the consideration of S-Res 269 submitted earlier today. The clerk will report.
0: Senate Resolution 269 designating June 19, 2021
1: as Juneteenth Independence Day in recognition of June 19, 1865, the date on which news of the end of slavery reached the slaves in the southwestern states.
0: Without objection, the Senate will proceed to the measure.
8: I ask unanimous consent the resolution be agreed to, the preamble be agreed to, and that the motions to reconsider be considered made and laid upon the table with no intervening action or debate. Without objection. Thank you, Mr. President. That was the Juneteenth resolution, which um, we'll talk about more tomorrow.
4: All right, Mustafa, Uh, it now goes to the House It's likely going to... Obviously, Democrats have a majority there. Uh, And so, uh, President Joe Biden may be soon uh, signing into law Juneteenth as a national holiday in the United States.
6: It's part of American history, and we have to tell the full story. And this is an opportunity for, you know, all the brothers and sisters who have worked diligently um, to make sure that this became a reality, that uh, all that hard work has been honored. Um, We just have to make sure that we're also highlighting and telling the other stories that are a part um, of our journey inside of this country and a part of our country's history.
4: For those people um, who, Teresa, who say, uh, this doesn't mean anything, uh, I'm a native Texan. Uh, I was there when the late state representative Al Edwards, my alpha brother, uh, Mustafa, Al, alpha brother, who f- led this effort every single session, every session, and got it made into a state law. It actually forced people in the state to actually learn the history of slavery in Texas, to learn exactly what took place. Uh, And so for those who say these things uh, don't mean anything, they do because Juneteenth is the only, uh, Texas, when made a holiday, was the only observance of anything tied to slavery in this country.
5: Yeah. And I think history, obviously, is just so important. I know um, here in the city of Philadelphia, June 19th of 2020, we made it a, a a local holiday. So it's good to see it on a national level. But understanding that Juneteenth is not only a celebration of our blackness, but it is a celebration to end slavery. And, and so, you know, when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed by President Lincoln, it gave the opportunity for people to one be aware of their history but two understand that they are free and and i think that you know understanding that it's on a federal level it hopefully will open the eyes and ears of the day of observance as we do for memorial day as we do for other federal holidays that um, this is one step in the right direction. Um, so I don't take it as a, a minimum win. I take it as a holistic approach to how we move forward. And I'm glad as President Biden that was able to put this um, a- into law. Well, ben? he be anyway. Ben? <laughs> yeah, a
2: couple of things. I, You know, I, with Must- I'm with Mustafa. Congratulations to all the people who actually worked on this, uh, because I know that getting it this far was uh, a monumental task. Um, the um, Juneteenth has been a holiday in my family for a while, um, especially when we lived in Boston, out in Roxbury, out at the park, the, the one of the best celebrations. You didn't see black people any other time of the year because it was too cold in Boston, but when Juneteenth came around, you just saw a sea of black people. And it wasn't celebrated nationally at that time. And it's gonna be amazing to have a day where we can connect on a level of that celebration that we had in Roxbury every year for Juneteenth. So I'm excited about this.
4: Uh, I wanna bring up my next guest. Uh, He is uh, out of uh, Washington State. Um, He is, uh, of course, um, um, uh, former head of the uh, Seattle uh, King County uh, NAACP. Carl Mack is an historian. Carl, um, your your issues with Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts about this action today. What are the issues?
11: I, I think they're historically absolutely incorrect, and I think they're insulting to us as a people. And who, so who's say, incorrect? Those who the Congress, that 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 bill passing was absolutely incorrect.
4: So what should it have been?
11: Okay, so the bill says and what is being taught and i'll I'll just give you specifically in the state of washington And, and first of all roland let me be clear i have absolutely no problem with juneteenth my problem is the historical efforts that are being made and what's being surrounded i call it the misrepresentation of juneteenth and so what happened in the state of washington is they passed similar legislation and this legislation has been passed a lot throughout this country and in the state of washington similar to what they just did in congress they said that the legislature intends to designate Juneteenth as a statewide holiday celebrating the end of chattel slavery. So what people have been taught about Juneteenth is that those of our ancestors who was enslaved in Galveston, Texas, number one, they were the last blacks to be enslaved in this country. Number two, that they got the word a year and a half late after President Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Both of those things historically are just incorrect. There is no other way to put it. Now, all one has to do is to understand this. Slavery ended in this country on December 6th, 1865, six months after Juneteenth. Now, going back to the Emancipation Proclamation, which everybody seems to get so twisted, keep in mind what Lincoln said. Lincoln said, for those states in rebellion against the Union, and there were 11 of them, But in the Emancipation Proclamation, Lincoln only mentioned 10 of them. And the only reason he only mentioned 10 is because the 11th state that he did mention was Tennessee. He didn't mention them because the Union already had control of Tennessee. So he said, for those states in rebellion against the Union, slavery is now free uh, over. Now, keep in mind, there were four border states in which slavery was still practiced. Those border states were Maryland, Missouri, Kentucky, uh, uh, Kentucky and Delaware. So, when Lincoln said that to him, I want you to imagine this and, and you ha- now, don't you don't have to imagine. This is just a fact. When those 11 states left the union, they didn't act as 11 individual states. They formed the Confederacy. And when they formed the Confederacy, in effect, they formed their own nation, which means they elected a president, Jefferson Davis. They elected a vice president, Alexander Stevens of Georgia. They wrote a confederate constitution. They were their own nation, Brother Roland. So when Lincoln issued, quote unquote, an executive order trying to tell them what to do, that's like the prime minister of Canada trying to tell the United States citizens what to do. He didn't have any authorization. That's why it took a war. So that's why I'm saying to you that when the news is that they got the word a year and a a half late. It didn't matter. The Confederacy were their own nation. They didn't give a damn what the United States said, what Lincoln said. That's why it took the war. Now, as far as them being the last Blacks enslaved, I just heard your last guest. I've heard all of you say how important it is to get it right. Today, there's a movement that has swept this country that we should all be proud of, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter do we think that black lives just started mattering? Because let's go back to what happened with the Emancipation Proclamation. Lincoln said that in those states not in rebellion against the Union, slavery is still legal. Keep that going. Two of those states were Delaware and Kentucky. Two of them was Maryland and Missouri. And keep in mind West Virginia wasn't a state when the Civil War started. it became a state after. Virginia seceded, and those 48 counties didn't want to secede, so they became a state after the Civil War. So now let's look at those five border states. Maryland, on November 1st, 1864, before the Civil War ended, Maryland abolished slavery. Missouri, on January 11, 1865, before the Civil War ended, they abolished slavery. West Virginia, the newly entered slave state, on February 3rd, 1865, ended slavery. The Civil War ends on April 9, 1865. Two months later, Granger rides into Galveston, Texas, and issues General Order No. 3, which we now call June 19. I ask you to remember what was going on in Kentucky and Delaware after the Civil War. What was going on in Kentucky and Delaware after Juneteenth? I'll tell you, Roland. There were 225,000 of our ancestors still enslaved, and they did not taste freedom until December 6th, 1865, when Georgia became the 27th state to ratify the 13th Amendment. That is my problem with what is going on in states all across this country, and that is my problem about what just happened in the United States Congress. If you want to designate a date in which all black folks can celebrate freedom, that date, as far as I'm concerned, as far as history appears to be concerned, is December 6th, because that is the day in which Georgia ratified the 13th Amendment. Now, as if as it applies to uh-uh. Delaware and Kentucky, keep this in mind, Roland. Delaware didn't ratify the 13th Amendment until 1901. Kentucky ratified the 13th Amendment in 1976. And the state that I'm from, Mississippi, Mississippi didn't ratify the 13th Amendment until February 7, 2013. So do I have a problem with Juneteenth? Absolutely not. Do I have a problem with the historical inaccuracy right. of it? Every every part of that I got a problem. Well,
4: and with. and, and I th- that has been, first of all, like for years we were all Lincoln freed the slaves. Well, again, and those there were people who took exception to, uh, Larone Bennett and others who, who corrected, uh, who corrected that. Uh, frankly, what we have is we have folks in this country with with a bumper sticker version uh, of history. Uh, I, th- the reason I think um, you see the focus on Juneteenth is I think it goes back to this year because Texas became the first state to actually make it a state holiday. And so what then happened was there were other people who wanted to recognize that fact, and so all of a sudden, Juneteenth events then went out. June t- t- For everybody to understand, Juneteenth was a Texas holiday. To your point, what you just laid out, that was specific to Texas. When General Granger arrived on the shores of Galveston, uh, of the beach in Galveston, and delivered uh, uh, that that particular announcement. I think what happened was other people gravitated to that and then it then became this sort of all-encompassing moment to say, okay, here's something that actually recognizes uh, uh, slavery or the ending of slavery in this country. But you're absolutely right. And I think now, I believe now, the opportunity is now is to in the words of paul harvey now tell the rest of the story
11: uh, absolutely so, so, so listen so 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 Roland, the thing that you're, you're you, the, the, the congressman i think is johnson i'm not sure your last guess was
4: a uh, uh, former senator doug jones
11: okay doug jones what you and doug jones agreed on a lot was it's important to get it right today we as black folks want to say black lives matter then what about the two hundred twenty-five thousand? Now I will I will I will give you just a little pushback on why Juneteenth took off. I think part of what you said is right, but the rest of the story is this: we all know that 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 our history has been taught has not been taught. Right. So so to what Doug Jones said, there's a lot of black folks that don't know the scholarship of our experience in this country. Oh That's no doubt. The oh no doubt. And, and, and so once we didn't know it, and somebody comes in and tells the the myth that these were the last Blacks enslaved. They got the, the, the news a year and a half later. Well, we just took off and ran with it. And then now, Roland, on on May 25th of 2020, well, that gave another steroid injection to the myth behind Juneteenth. And that day was the day that Rodney King, uh uh, uh George sorry, Floyd. God, George Floyd was murdered. Now you got white guilt everywhere, and white folks want to do something. Damn it, let's just make Juneteenth a holiday. That's fine. But it didn't start with that. I would I would tell you this: go back and look at the one hundred and fifth Congress of the United States. There was a senator from the state of Mississippi named Trent Lott, who introduced legislation similar to what was just passed, and it clearly said June nineteenth, the day that slavery officially came to an end. Then over in the House, in that same year, I believe it was it was uh, ninety seven. In that same year, now you had J.C. Watts in the House introduced a, a, a joint resolution that said the exact same thing, that Juneteenth is the date on which slavery finally came to an end. So I'm not trying to play the technicalities here, but what I am saying is in the spirit of Harriet Tubman. Right. They asked their sister, baby, why would you keep going back, you free? And she said, how could I be free when my people ain't free? Well, how in the hell can we celebrate Juneteenth as the day on which slavery ended when there were over 225,000 of our folks still enslaved in the state of Delaware and Kentucky? Well, I dare that say is I, my problem. I, I,
4: I dare say the same as how we celebrate July 4th as Independence Day, uh, and as Frederick Douglass said, "What does this mean uh, to the slave on July 4th?" And so, uh, uh, but here's a last point I make, and this is very simple: what you laid out is why you got to have black-owned media. Is why Because exactly. because here's the piece. The bottom line is, uh, and I look, I, you already see it. I know ABC is having a big Juneteenth uh, uh, primetime <laughs> uh, show. All of a sudden, yes. trust me, you're about to see uh, businesses all across America. And here's yes. the deal. I'm just laying in the cut, because I'm telling you, every company that not, wants to try to profit off of Juneteenth, I'm going to hit all of them saying, where's your black spin? Where's your black-owned spin? See, that's the other deal. It's just like if, if a business out there all of a sudden dropping Kwanzaa commercials, you got to be asking, how much money are you spending with black-owned companies? Right, not right. not, not but, but, giving but, but, away. So we we got so we, we, this is where why we also have to have our own media where we can actually have this conversation because this ain't going to happen on MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS. Make, make, make no it's
11: mistake not. about it. Make, make no mistake about it, Roland. And to your point, let me say this. I know that you know the Bennett family, who owns the Seattle Medium and KRS out of Seattle. Okay, so I wrote an op-ed piece about what I just explained to you all. Not one white newspaper would pick it up, but that got picked up by the Seattle Medium, the Black-owned press. And I've always been a huge supporter. And, And the same way, I listened to the pride that you all had about the legislation being passed. But now we as brothers and sisters right now on your program are going through a learning moment where we're going, damn, maybe I didn't know what Brother Mack was saying, but we're respecting that. And and look, I don't expect you to trust what I'm saying. Just go back and verify. No, 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 no,
4: but I'm saying, but here's the moment. To me, this is the moment, Uh, and I'm I'm going to bring my panel in after this. The moment for us is this here. This is now, just like that white Retired Lieutenant Colonel, when he gave a speech on Memorial Day, and when he told the history of Memorial Day, and they cut his microphone because he talked about it. It was freed. It was actually slaves who actually uh, started Memorial Day, and then they cut his mic. This mm-hmm. is where we. This is where we now use the bully pulpit, and so when folks say, "Hey, any slavery, I actually that's not the truth," so right. and so. And, and so and so, so here's so here's my whole deal. I'm a. We, this is where we can use the day to say, first of all. There should be a, there should be a day that speaks to slavery in in America, but we also correct the story because because even when we use the word, uh, we were freed, we actually weren't. That's why I say all the time, uh, that we were tech for the first time, black people were technically fully free Americans in 1970. It took going through Jim Crow, the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, the Fair Housing Act, took all of those different things. That's why I say technically fully free. And that leads us to a whole other conversation about freedom. Uh, well, Carl-
11: well, but, you know, I, I'll say this, Roland. I'll I give you just a little pushback. There is no debate over what chattel slavery was. Oh, yes. And, and, no, no, I got and, it. And, and, and as such. No, no, that's, why no that's why I said and, freedom.
4: That's why I said freedom.
11: Right, but, but but there is no debate what chattel slavery was. And all I'm saying is, on December 6, 1865, that is the day that chattel slavery in this country ended for our ancestors.
4: Got it. And, wh- and what I'm saying is, we should use the day to tell the whole story and not keep allowing his story to be told. Carmack, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
11: No problem, my brother. Thanks.
4: Let's go to my panel here, uh, final comments there. Uh, the, the, the point there, Musafa again... Um, it's how, how do you use, how do you able to tell history? Um, uh, I do think there is value in the holiday. Our job is to make sure the story is told. Again, I go back to, and let me be real clear. I know everybody and the 1619 Project was great. But as Dr. Greg Carr says, it was a whole, it was decades of black scholarship uh, in Ebony Magazine and Jet Magazine and Negro Digest and others that were telling that 1619 story long before the New York Times ponied the money up. uh, And Nicole Hannah Jones and others led it. And again, that's not diminishing what they did, but we've had this body of work for decades that have told that story. This is why the first black newspaper, Freedom's Journal, said on March 16, 1827, we wish to plead our own cause. Too long have others spoken for us.
6: Yeah, in the environmental justice movement, we say communities speak for themselves. You know, we have the opportunity, we have the platform to make sure that the full narrative is shared with the country. You know, our triumphs and our tragedies, um, to make sure that folks understand that we are real, We are full and we are authentic people. And that's the moment that we have. Uh, uh, Teresa.
5: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing um, now that this is a federal holiday, what the um, educational system will be doing in our public schools to make sure that our children and our youth are educated in the proper way. So I'm looking to see what the rollout will be for that.
2: Ben. Ben. I, you know, honestly, Roland, can you just connect me with that with with Brother Mac? Cause uh, I got to have him on my show. Cause he had a fire, a clarity, um, and a an a moral certitude. You know, with it that that I feel like his voice should be amplified in that way. So, um, I I did not know that that particular history, but now that I know, you know, we're gonna spread the word.
4: Well, and again, that's uh, I make the point, y'all. This is why uh, this show matters. This is why because our ability to be able to provide a platform to other voices uh, who are ordinarily not going to get uh, lot attention on mainstream media. That's why we do what we do, which is why we ask y'all to support what we do, joining our Brain the Funk fan club. Uh, look, it's nearly 4,000 of y'all on YouTube. It's uh, folks watching on Facebook and Twitter and Periscope and Instagram. Uh, you're going to be watching the replay as well. The bottom line is, y'all, you ain't getting this nowhere else, okay? You got black-targeted uh, news out there, but you ain't got black-owned news out there. And so if y'all want to support what we do, please do so. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash Unfiltered, venmo.com forward slash Unfiltered, uh, Zell is rolling at rolandsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartunfiltered.com. We went long, y'all, on some of the topics. There were some stories we did not get to. Uh, my apologies about that. We even have our Juneteenth stinger uh, that I didn't even run. We just went right into it. And so uh, today was like a freight train going. But well, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, ben, Teresa, Mustafa, thank you so very much for being uh, on today's show. And y'all, I was that close. Man, I was that close after what Carl, what Carl said and then what Mustafa, Teresa, and Ben said. I was that close about to drop y'all this major announcement but I got to wait till next month. Y'all, I was that close. I literally was about to pull it up on my computer and do it right now, but I got to wait. I got to wait. But I'm telling y'all, when we drop it, y'all going to be like, that's what that Negro been working on for the past, uh, uh, since he launched his show? The answer is yes. I'm telling y'all, I'm just telling y'all right now, I'm going to drop it next month, buckle up but it's, it's going to be real. We got to go. I'm going to see y'all tomorrow right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered.
1: Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
5: Zumo Play.